0: Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'll be sharing my audio clips from Instagram Lives that were recorded back on the 18th and 25th of November 2020. So if you tuned in, then even listening again, is probably going to benefit you because you don't actually take in all of the information that you hear right away. But I know that many of you don't watch IGTVs or you might have missed them because I did quite a few at the end of 2020. So in this combination of Instagram Lives there's two together, I talk about hirsutism and hair growth, Epstein Barr virus or EBV, mast cell activation syndrome and histamine issues, testing for mold illness, high estrogen levels, and my recommendations for that. Acne and what it means if it's symmetrical, um, if it's happening on the jawline and the chin, and my advice and experience with using retinoids topically. Talk about PCOS, candida, ketogenic diets for women, and bioidentical hormones. Again, a wide range of subjects. These were all listener questions. So I'm sure there's something in there that you're gonna benefit from. Let's get straight into the episode. Hope you enjoy it. So the first one is what's my thoughts on amino acid supplements for hair growth. So your hair is made from amino acids and keratin. So it's important, but ideally we should be getting enough protein from our diet. So eating animal protein is my preferred source but you could be eating enough so the goal is like 20 to 30 grams per meal so around 80 to 100 grams total for the day for most people if you're exercising if you're healing sometimes you need more than that but you should be eating enough but a lot of people aren't digesting and absorbing it properly so that could be the issue as well you're eating all of this protein this happened to me i was spending like hundreds of pounds on organic grass-fed animal products and beef and chicken and eggs. And I was still struggling with low levels of amino acids and proteins. My body was unable to heal itself because I had low stomach acid. I had H. pylori. I had SIBO malabsorption. So it comes back to digestion a lot of the time. Only in people who are like severely compromised or have really backed up liver detoxification pathways or are vegan or vegetarian um, or maybe recovering from some sort of surgery, would I recommend an amino acid supplement? I recommend protein powders a lot of the time like a pea-based protein or if you can tolerate dairy whey protein collagen protein would probably be a better fit in your situation but not specifically amino acids unless it's one of those situations I just mentioned. Someone's asking about hirsutism um so facial um and body hair growth excessive in women Driven by high cortisol, which is driven by mold and pathogens, specifically Bartonella, which is a Lyme co-infection. Any tips, please? So you're not really going to notice any changes to topical things until the infections are addressed, which is frustrating. You could control it maybe with electrolysis or waxing plucking, but you know yourself, this person, that the root of the problem is the chronic infections and that's what's happening to me as well so i had a lot of pcos symptoms i really think my pcos was driven by all of this stuff that's been going on because it really is a symptom so rather than just focusing your efforts on getting rid of the her, you need to look deeper and address some of these infections so um, with mold and lyme and co-infections you start with the mold first a lot of the time to take that pressure off the immune system And then sometimes the Lyme symptoms just um, keep at bay on their own. So rather than chasing the Bartonella with antibiotics and really harsh treatments, addressing the mold first by either getting it in the environment or moving, remediating, which is very difficult, but it needs to be done if that's driving your health problems. And then once the mold's been addressed, and your body will start to detox naturally once you move, but you might need to do more specific things afterwards, like binders and liver support coffee enemas are really effective but it may be that you then need to be more targeted for the bartonella so cellcore Biosciences, the brand who i love and use regularly they offer um, a liquid tincture specific to bartonella i think it's called is bart and you probably need to work with a practitioner to get access to that but that might be something that you would then add in once the mold's been addressed if you're still symptomatic you would be more specific to the Bartonella. Why do I often have very symmetrical breakouts on both sides of my face? So this is very common. It depends on where it's happening on the face because sometimes that can indicate different imbalances. So if it's always like on the forehead in similar places, it could be due to digestion and stress. If it's on the cheeks, it's more internal inflammation liver detox problems gut health in my opinion and experience lower part of the face if it's happening like sides of the chin every single month in this area probably hormonal probably gut health as well and sometimes i was chatting about this with my friend cheryl on a podcast that's going to be coming out in maybe january or february time someone asked i don't know if it was the same person asked a similar question sometimes it's due to the treatments that you're doing for the breakouts that it reoccurs in that same area over and over again so if you're popping squeezing causing damage and trauma to that area or you're using harsh products that are stripping the skin then that area is going to be weakened and it's going to be more susceptible to breakouts. so then you have a vicious cycle so it's either something internally that your body's trying to tell you so that would depend on where it's happening or it's the treatment that you're doing for the breakouts that's just making it more vulnerable to breaking out the next month What do I think of using a treatment like Cellcore products on your own? It depends on the person and how symptomatic you are. If you're just like wanting to optimize things and maybe just have a few digestive issues, you suspect parasites, then in some cases it can be worth doing like a intro and the the parasite cleansing on your own. They do offer through the microbe formulas line, the parasite stuff, so it is safe to use on your own without a practitioner and they understand that some people don't have access to a practitioner they can't afford it and you have to prioritize one or the other so it shouldn't be this thing that's completely just for the people who can afford it i want it to be accessible to everyone i've actually made my cell core practitioner number available on my bio the link in my bio but if it's something like mold or lyme disease or more like heavy metals crop complex chronic illness that you're dealing with you're quite symptomatic i would really advise you to work with a practitioner at that point because you could potentially make things worse and get a flare up so it depends on how severe things are what you've tried before how can you naturally treat ebv will celery juice and saunas help with ebv so um i think like 90 percent of the population have epstein-barr virus and similar to the virus that's going around right now it's not the virus that's the problem it's not the bug it's not the organism it's the host the the immune system that's the problem so you need to work on supporting the immune system from all aspects so yes sauna infrared sauna in particular can help celery juice um, potentially could help but probably not on its own it's just like an an add-on that can be useful And I don't know like the connection virally with celery juice. I'm sure that that's the reason that the medical medium really recommended it in the first place. I usually use celery for the electrolyte balance and the stomach acid support and the minerals as opposed to like a direct antiviral thing. But my approach to Epstein-Barr virus is removing parasites because parasites are the big organisms and they harbor or hold... Viruses. So if you're just trying to attack virus, 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 but you have parasites still, you can't actually get to them. And that's why they come back a lot of the time. And parasites stimulate the Th2 arm of the immune system. So if you think back to science class, we have a kind of seesaw and it should be balanced, showing optimal immune balance. It's not too overactive, it's not too underactive. Parasites stimulate the Th2, makes you very inflamed, makes you very allergenic and histamine like. But in that same way it suppresses th1 and that's the part of the immune system that deals with bacteria and viruses so you can't fully address SIBO, epstein-barr herpes virus until parasites have been knocked out so i would start there if you haven't already and then there might be some more specific herbs and biocidin um, lauric acid that you do for the epstein-barr but the goal is to have a healthy immune system that keeps the the virus at bay and it's just when you get run down that it's kind of keeping you in check what do i think of taking mongolian sea buckthorn oil for skin issues i don't know the specific mongolian type i know sea buckthorn oil i don't usually recommend using that topically and um, there's other oils that are much more suitable to acne prone skin and i'm not sure what you mean by skin issues whether it's on your face or your body could be useful for body but the fit the skin in your face is a lot more sensitive to the types of oils you use and if you have issues with acne it could be to pore clogging if you're talking about taking it internally i don't typically use a lot of c phone oil um, only in women post-menopausally who have vaginal dryness it does have omega 9 i think or omega 7 i can't remember that's specific to improving vaginal dryness so i would potentially use it in that situation but not really for skin issues. Kristen, what do you recommend for mast cell activation syndrome? So first, figuring out the cause of that. So for me and a lot of people, it's mold illness, mold exposure, that's the trigger. So removing yourself from the environment and dealing with that problem first will then just naturally calm down the immune system and that hyperactivity, that hyperhistamine overload. Reducing high histamine foods can be very beneficial and it was for me it was a game changer just helping to manage my symptoms but it wasn't addressing the root of the problem so I spent years just on a low histamine diet thinking that I'd got it under control but as soon as I strayed from that the symptoms just came back so for me getting out the mold was a big one Um, and for some people the histamine diet doesn't really change much but it's really worth a try I think I've got a question in here anyway how to know if histamine is a problem for you or not So if you have mast cell activation, then there's a good chance that it is histamine-driven. And certain foods like fermented foods, alcohol, pickles, um, leftovers, they're usually the highest in histamine. So maybe reducing your intake of those, seeing if things improve. And with histamine reactions, it can be pretty quick. So it's not something that you have to wait three months to notice the difference with. If it's a problem for you, you should be able to notice within a couple of weeks whether it's a problem or not. If you add them back in and you get a flare-up of symptoms, then that's a pretty good sign that it is an issue. But the food isn't the problem at the end of the day. It's your body, your detox pathways, your inflamed body because of parasites that's the issue. Um, Quercetin can be good as a mast cell stabilizer. So check with your practitioner, but sometimes 500 milligrams of quercetin taken at least 20, 30 minutes before food actually calm the mast cells so that when you eat that meal you're not as inflamed and overreactive so i think that rules out my histamine questions and i have two blog posts for this person asking about mast cell activation syndrome at the time that i wrote this i didn't know that i had mast cell activation syndrome i didn't know that i had mold illness i've made notes of both of those things in the blog post somewhere so you can go on my website which is linked to my bio and read those for more information on mast cell stabilizing nutrients, probiotics, food, diet, all of that. The next one is thoughts on Ayurveda and eating in alignment with your body type. So Ayurveda's kind of ancient um, Indian medicine. So Ayurveda can be great for some people, but for me, I'm pitta, so pitta body type. So there's three doshas, pitta, which is kind of fire, vata which is uh and what's the other one Kapha, which is kind of earth and we all have a blend of them but for some people most people actually one of them is more dominant when you're out of balance so my pitta was too high that was causing redness inflammation reflux acidity type symptoms in the body loose stools and it tends to be like the high strung overachiever perfectionist people who develop a pitta imbalance so in terms of ayurveda i would need to go on like an a vegan diet i would need to drink milk i would need to eat raw vegetables i had celiac, so i couldn't eat raw vegetables i had a dairy sensitivity so i can't tolerate dairy milk and i thrive off animal protein and going on a vegan diet would literally wreck my digestion so it's i understand that where they're coming from so they're talking about reducing inflammation reducing acidity alkalizing the body calming the fire internally but you can't just give like a blanket diet or blanket recommendations to a whole group of people because everyone's like so individual and depends on where you're at with all of these other lifestyle factors as to whether you can even tolerate some of those suggestions but some things i do still um follow so like with the exercise i don't do very sweaty intense exercise anymore because i've already got that internal fire i don't need to stimulate that even more so i do follow it to some degree but not completely but some people swear by it a good what's her name a good practitioner resource is sahara rolls she has a book called the idiot's guide to ayurveda so that's maybe a good one to look into but it is very vegan diet vegetarian diet base i think i think even her recommendations because that's just the way that indian medicine and ayurveda is so i don't agree with it on that Aspect. Sarah, how do you know if you have mold illness, and how do you get tested for it? So, there's the test that I did was the Great Plains Lab mycotoxin urine test, and I got it free because I was at a seminar by Great Plains Lab in London in 2019, and they were giving complimentary tests. But I think if you were to order for me, it's around 230 pounds to, or maybe a little bit less actually. So there is an option there, but the there are other things as well online like the um, vcs test visual contrast sensitivity test which is an eye test which sounds weird to check for mold but mold and alcohol are in the same family like fungus family and if you think when you have alcohol your vision can go blurry that's kind of what's happening with mold illness um, you can when you've been exposed for a long time the mycotoxins mold toxins start to damage the optic nerve so you can end up my vision's perfect though so i don't these are just computer glasses and i'm quite young so i passed the test so if you pass that doesn't rule really like out mold completely but if you fail the test and that's a pretty good sign that you have mold as an issue because that's only one of few things that can cause you to fail and that's a paid test but it's literally like 10 pounds or less so just type that in google vcs um and it's the surviving mold website one that i use that's a really good starting point and symptoms like certain symptoms can indicate um mold and i have a few podcasts on that as well and then there's some quizzes so if you oh just remind me send me a dm or something i'll send you some two quizzes that i use as well to rule it in or rule it out but also like it just being intuitive with your home if a lot of people in the uk obviously it's raining and cold and damp all the time the buildings are very old so that increases the likelihood whereas if someone's in the desert in arizona um, and it's dry then, then they're much less likely to have an issue so if you have visibly seen mold in your home then that increases the likelihood but in my previous home you couldn't see a thing but we had a crawl space under the house that flooded Wasn't dealt with correctly and that caused mold that you couldn't see but um you could smell a mustiness when you'd been out for a week or so on holiday you came back you could smell the mustiness but then within 30 minutes it had gone because you got used to it so there's like a few signs like that so that is if you live in an old house my old house was like a victorian terrace uh, built in like the 1890s so even though even if we'd never had a water event you can think of how many people have lived there before and painted over any issues like floorboarded over something that was a problem. So yeah, it could be an issue and especially like anything that's chronic digestively, chronic inflammation. So like your reflux, that could, I wouldn't jump to that straight away because there's so many other things to try first. And that's what I did. Just rule out everything else, because if it is mold, then it is a problem and that needs to be addressed. And that could be a root of a lot of different things. So I have a question on Facebook from Shirley. How to lower your AST and ALT liver enzymes? Naturally, I do take letrozole for cancer. Yeah, so you would need to just double check with your practitioner or doctor with my recommendations. I'll just give lifestyle ones anyway because that's the easiest. Um, And it could be as a result of the medications. That could be, I'm not too sure with that one in particular, Shirley, but... Some medications can cause an increase of liver enzymes because you're just putting an extra demand on the liver with what you're taking. So, if it's been a problem for a while, then it may be due to thyroid issues, insulin and glucose issues, and chronic inflammation, poor detox pathways, so things just aren't moving through the liver correctly. So, it could come back to gut health, nutrient deficiencies, if you're overweight, if you drink alcohol. Then addressing all of those things, exercise can help to lower them as well. So have a look into those things. And with supplements, it's usually the lifestyle and diet that make the biggest difference. Um. So yeah, not really any supplements I can just recommend without knowing more, unfortunately. Nicole asked, "Would love to learn more about high estrogen and overactivation of aromatase and the impact on testosterone." So I was teaching right this on, at the weekend at CNM. So when I was lecturing hormones, there was a whole section on aromatase. So basically aromatase is how androgens convert into estrogen. Estrogen ultimately comes from androgens, male hormones in the first place. So some people have an issue with slow aromatase. So they're not converting testosterone or androgens into female hormones, estrogen correctly. So they end up with a buildup of testosterone and androgens and a lack of estrogen. So things that can slow that down even further would be zinc. So that's why zinc, just for everyone in high doses, isn't the best. Because if you have low estrogen, it can lower that even more. But a lot of people have high aromatase activity. So they convert too quickly from testosterone into estrogen. That can lead to estrogen dominant type symptoms. So zinc in that situation would be good certain flavonoids so quercetin um i think it's called what's the other one there's one in flaxseed but i can't remember resveratrol can be good at slowing down that aromatase enzyme but a lot of this happens in peripheral tissue so if you have excess body fat so if you're overweight and then that's going to make you more estrogen dominant because you have more aromatase happening plus fat tissue makes makes estrogen on its own as well can one cure chronic epstein-barr virus no tpo she's put antibiotics lauren but i think it's um antibodies just chronic fatigue syndrome so you can't get rid of epstein-barr virus completely you can't get rid of viruses you can't kill them you just have to learn how to manage them in the system so keep your immune system strong enough and that should keep the virus at bay. So yeah, that's definitely possible to be symptom free, but you can't get rid of the virus completely. What do I think of the product, advanced TRS spray? So I've never used this personally. Um, My friend on here, Jonah, her handle is Girl Restore. She uses this product quite a lot and I'm definitely gonna look into it. So this is um, a binder. That is pretty gentle and effective, but a lot of people use it for heavy metals and mold and things like that. She loves it, so I'm really wanting to try it out. I've heard good things, it's really good for aluminium or aluminum in particular, but I can't comment, unfortunately. Are there any ways you could recommend to increase progesterone? So, if you're under the age of 35, then your body should be able to produce progesterone on its own. If that's not happening, then there's something going on that's stressing your body causing inflammation and preventing you from making it on your own so um looking at so if you are above age 35 you're naturally going to decline in progesterone so it could be that you then consider bioidenticals um vitamin c can be useful in supporting progesterone levels i think it's above above 1000 milligrams or one gram per day so you probably have to supplement with that I like whole food sources of vitamin C. You can get blends of them with Acerola cherry, acai powder, and rose tip, those types of things. You could do if you are, again, just approaching 35 perimenopause, try Vitex, or just as kind of a band aid if you're younger than that, because it's not really addressing the root of the problem. But Vitex can increase luteinizing hormone. If you already have luteinizing hormone, in elevations with something like pcos then that might actually make things worse so just be mindful of that but progesterone could be a good way to just support your body but ultimately the goal is to take the stress and inflammation off the body so that it can do it on its own so just all the basic typical things we'll do those first stabilizing blood sugar um, with protein enough protein and food just overall not exercising excessively slowing down, resting more, sleeping more, stress management, um, making sure that your nutrient levels are good, particularly selenium, zinc, making sure that your gut health's good, like all of the basic stuff. But once you've ruled out those and conditions like PCOS and thyroid issues, then you could try some of those other tools. Things to avoid, so pretty much the opposite of everything I've just said. Stress is the main thing, but stress is physical, chemical, mental, emotional. Not just worrying good and bad cholesterol increase why detoxing anything to help so that might not actually be a bad sign victoria cholesterol is actually a healing healing molecule so it can sometimes be elevated when the body is overcoming something so that's why i'm saying just monitor it if you're working with a practitioner and they think the opposite then you have to listen to those based on your health history but Cholesterol being elevated could be a sign that your body's more inflamed, which could be that you just need to support your detox pathways a little bit more, um, with some binders, some liver support, some gallbladder support, and yeah, cholesterol being high could be thyroid related as well. So when you're going through a detox, your thyroid can be a little bit more stressed just because your things are changing, things that are being killed, you're releasing toxins into the system a lot of the time, so your thyroid your thyroid can be a little bit more stressed. that can then increase cholesterol levels so it could be a temporary thing that you just need to kind of just be mindful of or it could be a sign that you are just a little bit more inflamed and need some extra support um, binder and liver wise so shirley said on facebook thank you i'm working on losing 10 extra pounds i do walk three miles a day don't take any supplements or use alcohol i do take milk thistle beetroot powder you're welcome yes it sounds like you're doing a really good job um the the cancer support is just going to be your main focus for now and then monitor the liver enzymes and see if you then need to do anything more specific someone asked what's the best thing you've ever done for your health so product wise i've always said coffee enemas have made the biggest difference for me personally i was really reluctant to taking them or doing them initially but I've done at least one every week for the past two years I think because they made the biggest difference um just getting my liver working again and your liver is like the filter and the, the metabolic system of the body so it just helped me to function and just get through the past couple of years diet wise um eating as organic as possible as fresh and whole food based as possible has made a big difference. Lifestyle wise, getting it, the mold environment was the biggest thing for me. So I'd already done the basics for years and had got some improvement, but environment was a huge problem for me. So that has made the biggest difference as well. And yeah, improving my gut health, clearing infections from my gut, building back my stomach acid because um, I had things like parasites, SIBO, yeast overgrowth for years and that was constantly draining and zapping my energy stealing my nutrients um run down a low histamine diet for one day so um eggs with some sweet potatoes and ghee for breakfast or a smoothie with some pea protein um almond butter coconut milk greens powder lunch i just do and lunch and dinner just basically meat veggies and um, carbohydrates so, meat wise, I'd stay away from, I personally stayed away from beef because it can be aged and hung for like 28 days. So, that really increases the histamine. I'd make sure it's as fresh as possible. So, I, I work from home, so it's a lot easier, but you could do something in the instant pot and it cooks it really quick. So, you could do that in the morning before work and then take it in a Tupperware tub to your office. Obviously, it's easier in 2020. Everyone's working from home a lot of the time. So, I'd do like lamb chops, carrots, veggies. For lunch, um, maybe some coconut yogurt and some berries, um, with some macadamia nuts. And then for dinner, I do—I tolerated pork quite well, so pork chops with potatoes, cabbage, olive oil. So pretty easy. How to know if fresh it is on the supermarket shelf with meat? You can't, so that's why it's always best to build a relationship with your farmer if possible, and just let them know to freeze it as soon as they butcher the meat. That's what I did. Otherwise, just get the, the pack with the longest date on there. So go to like the back of the shelf and get the ones with the longest expiry date. So that's probably gonna be the freshest option. Or just buy it and then freeze it as soon as it gets home just to be extra careful. Do you love coffee, but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS, and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides, which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores. Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess but king coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs, and if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family, due to its superpowers, such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, all suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, Luratia can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics. The regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. Someone's asking top recommendations for overcoming candida overgrowth. So the thing with candida is that it's a natural part of the gut flora and it's very demonized these days. A lot of people do have issues with yeast overgrowth or candida overgrowth. Those terms can be used interchangeably um, because of antibiotic usage, high sugar diets, um, stress, immune suppression from things like heavy metals and mold potentially. So it is a big problem, but rather than just attacking the The um, yeast or the candida, you actually want to support the immune system overall, and that keeps the candida or the yeast naturally in check. And what I've been learning recently is that parasites actually harbor or hold um, the yeast. So, in order to actually get to the candida in the first place, you need to knock out the parasites first, and those will release metals and the yeast into the system so that you then have a better chance at addressing them with the the tools and the herbs that you use so three top things to help heal from candida overgrowth being mindful of your diet so reducing excessive levels of sugar and um, refined carbohydrates in the diet i don't think that it's necessary to completely cut out all carbohydrates that was like a big trend a few years back to go on this strict anti-candida diet and a lot of people might have got some symptom relief but they actually then developed thyroid issues or adrenal issues and um, another kind of intestinal overgrowth because they were so depleted they weren't sleeping The body was stressed because it didn't have the carbohydrates and the glucose to function optimally and actually heal the metabolism and the immune system afterwards so i'm not like extremely strict on the carbohydrates and in fact actually feeding the bugs when you're trying to kill them can actually make the protocol a little bit more effective they've shown this with SIBO small intestine bacterial overgrowth they had a group of people do a really strict diet whilst on the antibiotics and as treatment versus someone who someone else who took um prebiotic, something like partially hydrolyzed guar gum Usually they're the things that we're told to avoid if we have gut overgrowth bacterial overgrowth. But they actually found that because the bacteria were feeding when you were trying to kill them, it they were actually coming to the surface rather than you starving them out, they go into hibernation kind of and the more resistant to being killed but if you're eating um a ton of carbohydrates like a carb focused diet then that's going to be an issue so if you're vegan then that's going to be difficult for you to overcome digestive issues in my opinion because your diet is very starch grain carb heavy Um, i prefer something like a paleo template diet when someone has digestive issues i just found that to be the most tolerated a lot of the time so clean up your diet, any refined sugars, um, processed oils, like all that usual stuff. Second thing would be to address parasites first so that you can then actually target the candida more effectively. So that would be something like a parasite cleanse. They're not all created equally. I use the one from Selco um, just because I found that that to, to be the most effective. And I've tried tons of other parasite cleanses and nothing's ever been as effective as that. Um, when you can literally see things come out within a few days of doing that and the third thing I do for candida would be some specific antimicrobial nutrients but only once the bowels are open the liver gallbladder's working and you're detoxing naturally so things like coffee enemas can come into this as well but if you're all backed up and then you go in and start killing things off you are going to feel terrible so please don't do that learn from my mistakes in the past Um, Things like caprylic acid, um, lauric acid, or monolaurin are really good ones because they're not too strong, but they can kind of penetrate the the cell lining of yeast and candida and mold and things so that the other things that you do on top of that are actually more effective. There's a product called Mega Mycobalance by Microbiome Labs that can be really effective, and it's got some type of B product in there. I think it's Propolis or something along those lines which is very immune supportive so you can do like manuka honey as a food even though that is a sugar it's got very good antibacterial antimicrobial anti-yeast effects um, and it supports the immune system simultaneously and potentially if necessary in this situation things like garlic or allicin extract from garlic neem berberine clove um oregano or oregano can be good anti-candida, anti-fungal herbs. If you're doing all of those other things combined, addressing the parasites, cleaning up the diet, getting the detox pathways open, avoiding unnecessary antibiotic usage. If you're on the pill or hormonal contraception, if you've got high estrogen or high copper levels, then that also needs to be addressed because those things can exacerbate yeast or candida overgrowth as well. Next question, I see one here from laura can you talk a bit about acne along the jaw- jawline underneath and on the neck is this likely to be purely hormonal i find that it gets worse before my period and then improves a week after yeah so anything that's cyclical you always have to think hormonal and especially in this area that's like a typical pattern for um, hormonal acne but you need to look at why the hormonal acne is there in the first place and that can come back to issues with the immune system where does the immune system live 80 percent in the gut so even though it is probably hormonal and high androgen or high estrogen low progesterone related in nature you need to look deeper not just band-aid i did a post on this earlier a reel so definitely go and watch that if you haven't already but usually the root of hormone imbalances is poor gut health sluggish detoxification mineral imbalances those things first Um, and yeah look at those things and anything on the neck this area as well the neck the jaw can be digestion too so you might not have any digestive symptoms at all so don't let that put you off investigating this area Um, and it could be that your hormone levels aren't high it's just that you're not detoxifying them properly because of liver congestion so um yeah just taking something like dim or vitex probably isn't going to help that much and you're Um, kind of just band-aiding the problem and also looking at what you're putting on your skin because if you're using a lot of pore clogging ingredients then you're more likely to break out anyway and just the smallest shift in hormones is going to send your skin crazy so if you're using anything with coconut oil that needs to go making sure that you're exfoliating um, regularly but yeah probably hormone related but look deeper as to why that is in the first place do i suggest bioidentical hormones to replace low hormone levels i'm 45 and all hormones are low if you're 45 and all of your hormones are low then that's not normal when you go into menopause and if you were like 70 years old and you had low hormones then that would make sense and that would be like typical for someone that age if you're 45 um that and if you've not gone into menopause yet, i'm not sure but this is a sign that something else deep is going on You probably don't have the building blocks or the resources to make estrogen, progesterone, testosterone properly. It could come back to nutrient deficiencies. Even if you're eating a great diet, you may not be fully absorbing them. So again, gut health is pretty much everything for everyone. Um, Things like low stomach acid, parasites, gut infections could be affecting your uptake of food. And even if you took a bioidentical, um, if it's an oral capsule or tablet or something, you may not fully benefit from that but if it's a cream that's going to bypass the digestive system anyway. So it could be, it depends on the person. I can't prescribe bioidenticals anyway, because I'm not a doctor. Um, I do sometimes use with my clients bioidentical creams that I have access to, but only as a last resort. And just for some symptom management, if someone's really struggling with hot flashes or vaginal dryness, something like that, then it could be useful. Or if they're trying to conceive and they have low progesterone and we're working on the root cause, but they've just fallen pregnant, then bioidentical progesterone can be a lifesaver. But um I feel like this person needs to look at the thyroid, the adrenals, the gut health and the nutrient levels first. Because if you just ignore that or don't investigate that and just go on the bioidenticals, something else is going to pop up down the line because your body's trying to give you a message with this imbalance currently. And if you ignore that and just keep going on, then it's going to start screaming at you in other ways. So there's a time and a place for bioidenticals but probably not for someone your age but I don't know anything about your situation so you would need to speak to your, your doctor. Someone asked the best retinoids for acne. So retinoids is like a big family of vitamin A derivatives so there's the extreme level of roaccutane or accutane which is a synthetic mega high dose vitamin A um, used for acne and its job is to kind of dry up the skin help with um, turnover skin cell turnover and it can be very effective for clearing acne but it comes with a whole host of side effects it's got a black box warning because it's really harmful to the liver um, really can make mental health a lot worse so there's um, depression and suicide risks on roaccutane so the goal is to get vitamin a naturally in your diet to get natural vitamin a in the diet so your body has that ability to um, shed skin cells optimally and keep sebum in check so i'd start there if you haven't already by eating i recommend this to everyone even if you're not struggling with acne is to be eating organ meats regularly the the one of the most inexpensive um, cuts of meat out there probably the most nutrient dense food on the planet so if you're not already eating offal, livers hearts kidneys Please do, and there's different ways that you can prepare them so that they're a little less um, hard to digest. So, start with the food first. But some people do need additional vitamin A just because their levels are so depleted, or maybe they have issues with the gallbladder and bile flow and they're not digesting absorbing the fat soluble vitamins from their diet. So, um, addressing the acne from the inside and out is always the best option. So, you can apply retinoids topically onto the skin, and it's a whole family. There's different strengths and things as well so it's hard to say for this particular person how her skin type is and whether she tolerates certain actives whether she has more dry or oily skin where her acne is how severe i would need to know all of those things first ideally but most people should start with the lowest strength possible and build their way up because there is an adjustment period with retinoids as well where it can cause a little bit of purging shouldn't be terrible and the way that you build up tolerance is by starting one day a week patch test always and maybe doing it after a moisturizer just to have a bit of a buffer on the skin to get your skin used to it after a couple of weeks um six weeks max the purging should be over and if it's not and that's a sign that it's maybe not the right product for you you should try something else i personally um love retinoids and i was hesitant to try them for a long while because i thought that I didn't need them because I'm only 20, Am I 25 or six? 26 oh my god um so I was I was thinking it was something that I would need to add when I was like 30 plus but I was working with my friend um, Cheryl who is honesty for skin here on Instagram um, and on Facebook you can find her Cheryl Woodman but she introduced me to retinoids and they were a game changer for me just making my pores less congested i think i just must have like a vitamin a deficiency i'm just always prone to vitamin a and d deficiency for some reason Um, and i've done genetic testing and that seems to be true as well so the usually this is like general sweeping statement the best option um to consider starting with in this situation but check with your um practitioners or whatever would be a gran active retinoid and then the high strength um that you could probably work towards would be something like most people get in america over the counter a differin or adapalene but i wouldn't start there i would start with some like a granactive retinoid i know that the ordinary do a couple of different ones but start with the lowest i can't remember what it is it's like 0.0 something and strength, and it's in squalene i think and that's an oil so some people don't do well with oils so just test that out patch test as always and see how that's tolerated and build up tolerance. Always wear sunscreen when using retinoids as well because they can make your skin um, sensitive to the sun. But yeah, hope that helps. Can you do anything to make PCOS go? (laughs) The doctor only just recently diagnosed it from a scan, showing a lot of follicles on my ovary and acne along my jawline and neck. Would love to have it go if you can. So you can't get rid of PCOS, the genes. You have the genes for PCOS and obviously they've expressed now but you can get rid of the symptoms and keep your symptoms at remission. That's totally possible. I've done it and helped hundreds of other women do the same. But if you were just diagnosed from a scan and obviously your acne. So I'm not a huge fan of the ultrasound, the scans for PCOS, because that appearance of polycystic ovaries or string of pills, they sometimes call it, That can happen just naturally to any woman at certain points of the cycle. So if you took a random woman off the street and she'd skipped ovulation that month for whatever reason, stress, or if she was approaching ovulation, that would be a natural thing to happen. Those mini follicles kind of covering the ovaries, that would be what happens because you haven't yet ovulated. That's why I don't recommend I don't think it's too useful if someone's had a scan or not. I don't ask them to go to the doctors to get one. But the fact that you had acne as well, um, then that makes sense why they would diagnose you because you had two of the three potential signs of um, PCOS. But I have a ton of information on, I think this person is Kirsty, a ton of information. If you scroll back on this Instagram page, my podcast, I've got multiple, multiple episodes, all free information for you to go back to. But the main drivers of PCOS are insulin resistance, So your body not using glucose properly, um, it kind of building up in the bloodstream. Your body pumps out a ton of insulin that causes the, the the ovaries to secrete a ton of androgens, male hormones, that interferes with ovulation. And then the PCOS symptoms come as a result, the high androgen, high male hormone type symptoms. So insulin resistance, so regulating your blood sugar, eating protein, carbohydrates, and fats at every meal, um, doing moderate exercise, strength training, building your muscle, going for a walk after every meal, even if it's for five, 10 minutes. Um, you can optimize your sleep. That helps with insulin resistance as well. A lack of sleep can make you more insulin resistant the next day. The other drivers seem to be inflammation and stress. So managing your stress levels, fixing your gut health, checking your thyroid health, because a lot of people with PCOS actually have thyroid issues alongside or as a driver of PCOS. But um, yeah, Kirsty, if you wanna DM me, send me a message, I've got a a really good PCOS course as well that you could um, consider that just kind of streamlines everything that you need to know about PCOS pretty much. What do you think of taking aspirin to help fall pregnant? My friend had been told to do it by the midwife off record. Yeah, so I've heard that multiple times before. Basically it can help with the blood flow But to me, I'm always thinking you don't have an aspirin deficiency. That's not the cause of the problem. They sometimes recommend it during IVF procedures as well, um, even like directly to the doctor's uh, doctor's patient. So I would run it by your practitioner first, um, your doctor first or fertility consultant, just to double check probably not going to do any harm there's potentially some health benefits to aspirin but i've not fully looked into it in too much detail but i don't know if it's going to make the biggest difference like some of the stuff um, this person is a client so some of the stuff that we've been doing on gut health and cleaning up your diet and getting your thyroid and adrenals functioning that's going to be way more effective than just taking aspirin And i'm guessing your friend um hasn't been doing all of those things either Someone's asking about keto. I've heard it's not the ketogenic diet. I've heard it's not great because it lowers the gut bacteria. What about people with reactive hypoglycemia? So this is from Nicole. I'm not a fan of the keto diet and I've not found it to be necessary when balancing blood sugar levels. It is recommended a lot for PCOS, but I wouldn't recommend doing that because it can actually then disrupt your thyroid and your adrenals. And as you said, wreck your gut health. So you can still manage hypoglycemia with carbohydrates in the diet. Everyone's a little bit different as to which carbohydrates work best. So I've worn a continuous blood glucose monitor in the past, which is a device that sticks in the back of your arm. And you can literally scan your phone against your arm and see what your blood sugar readings are in that moment in time. So it's a really good tool. The brand that I've use, i used in the past from the UK is called um, Freestyle Libre and in the us there's a really good company called levels that you can consider i'm interviewing one of the founders on my podcast in the new year i've already interviewed her but it'll be released in the new year so that could really help you identify the amount of carbohydrates you can quote get away with in what combination and what types of carbohydrates because i found eating 100 grams of sweet potato versus fruit fruit works so much better for my body so even if it's the same amount of calories the same amount of carbohydrates just the way that it breaks down in my body was really different um depending on the source of carbohydrates could depend on the other things you're having with that meal how you combine it what time of day what time of your cycle you're in so there's so many different variables so using one of these glucometers could be a good a good um thing to try and improving your um inflammation levels because inflammation drives insulin resistance and blood sugar issues in the first place so sometimes it's not even about the diet it's these other things like um having heavy metals in the body or a big mineral imbalance low levels of potassium really affect your insulin sensitivity and blood sugar um checking your thyroid because if you've got thyroid issue you could be eating the best diet in the world but still struggling with blood sugar swings or weight gain making sure also that you're eating enough protein nicole most people don't they think they're eating protein because they're having like an egg for breakfast but that's not enough it's a good source of protein but it's not enough quantity wise so maybe tracking your protein intake for um, a few months or a few weeks even making sure that you're getting at least 80 grams a day maybe closer to 100 and just play about with again the different types of protein as well Someone asked. So Chloe asked about mold toxicity. Do I treat clients with this? And do I have any t- tips for treating? So I seem to attract a lot of people who have similar issues to me. Um, so acne, hair loss, mold. Recently, so I'm not an expert in mold. I always say that, but I've had to become like very knowledgeable about it just for my own personal health reasons. So I feel like I've become like a building biologist and a mold. Um, a mold practitioner, just based on everything that I've learned, and it's only been like a year since I found out that I had mold. I think it was end of 2019, but I do attract. I think just from the information that I put out there in my podcasts and, and Instagram posts, you probably noticed that it's become a little bit more focused on like mold and chronic infections and things like that at the root of hormone imbalances. Um, so I have several clients with mold illness. And in terms of treatment, the first goal is to get out of the environment because if you're still breathing in toxic mold and it's not been remediated or you've not moved, then that's step number one, avoid. Probably the first three steps, avoid, 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 if possible. Otherwise, you're just going to be band-aiding and fanning the flames of the fire rather than putting the fire out. So you want to try and avoid doing that if possible, but understand that it's not as simple as just upping and leaving and selling everything like most people can't do that and i had to live i survived in that home for long enough um so an extra six months in there wasn't going to make a huge difference but you could in the meantime do air filters spending time outdoors and not going in the rooms that are particularly problematic and then a lot of the time your body starts to detox naturally so sometimes you don't really need to go in and push it too hard i made that mistake when i moved back in june i moved so my body was already detoxing and then i threw a ton of products and things at it because i like to push things a little bit too much and be the guinea pig with my own health so um things that you could try i really love the cell core products we have just seen a question come through as well do you recommend starting someone's journey with cell core or doing some testing first it depends on the situation someone's budget someone's health history how sick they are to that question um but the whole cell core um protocol is a, basically addressing the root of health issues so it doesn't really matter what the health symptom or condition is the label because the goal is to get the mitochondria functioning to get the gut functioning, the immune system clear out heavy metals that pretty much everyone has clear out parasites that pretty much everyone has and then if at that point at the very end and the whole protocol takes about a year um, I don't do it to the T, so I don't take people through like every single stage, every single product necessarily. Um, but then at that point, if you're still sick, then it's maybe worth tweaking things a little bit more. But if you have the finances to do some testing, that's always going to help speed up the process and just tailor things a little bit more. So with mold, Cellcore offer products like the biotoxin binder, but it's also important to address parasites first, get the bowels moving, get the liver, gallbladder, You could do binders. I'm not a fan of the charcoal or the cholesterine harsh binders that are typically recommended when you Google. Just because it's hard to dose them properly, you have to time them away from foods and supplements, and it just becomes like a full-time job. So the biotoxin binder, I think it's called bioactive, Bioactive Carbon Minerals on the microbe formulas, the sister website. So you can get it through there through retail. And that's really effective. You can take it with or without food, any time of day. If you're doing the enemas, time it before and after the enema just to catch any toxins that are released during the process. And check out my podcast with Dr. Jill Krista. I think it's number 72 and her book, Break the Mold. That's really great. I love her naturopathic approach to mold illness. So for this person who asked. Anna asked about fox water, P-H-O-X, water filter. I had a quick look at this because I've never heard of it before. It seems to be like a UK brand and the marketing thing's very good because they're very eco-focused, like saving the planet, which is great environmental. But in terms of the quality of the water filter, I'm not convinced that it's great. I think they're more focused on saving plastic and not being wasteful in terms of that than actually getting the best water quality possible. And they claim that they add like minerals and electrolytes back into the water. It's basically a sachet of magnesium and sodium, I think. There's more minerals like potassium, phosphorus, zinc that need to be replenished. So they're basically stripping the water, and a lot of it is probably just improving the taste. And then they're adding a few things back in to make it look good. I think it's just very hyped and a lot of marketing. And I still stand by something like the Burke, because even though it's up it's more expensive up front like three four hundred pound max with this water filter even though it looks cheap to begin with you have to change the filter probably every month and then how much are you going to be spending in the long run and then last question is from Beth she asked butt itchiness so anal itching after passing parasites could this be the eggs and if so any tips so I'm guessing this person is doing a parasite cleanse um, I, I think I've inspired a lot of people to parasite cleanse recently, um, and a ton of my clients are doing it in the moment. And it's causing the supplements to be constantly out of stock when I want them. So <laughs> I'll have to stock up next time I, I recommend it. But it can definitely be the eggs from parasites. This is really common in kids with pinworms. They're like scratching their butt, and then they get it under the fingernails, they lick their fingernails or whatever, and then they just pass it to everyone in the family and it's really difficult to get rid of. So maybe not pinworms, but the eggs of the parasites can cause anal itching. Just the detox process in itself can cause a flare up of symptoms. So for me, when I was doing my mold and parasite cleanse, I had this kind of fungal, like a red little rash between my butt cheeks. Um, it's like a little heat rash thing. And that flared up and I've not had that in years, but that was really itching. I'm like, what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong? But it was actually just my body healing. things to the surface that have been suppressed for a while so I wouldn't be too concerned there's probably not much that you want to do apart from keeping the area clean, um, not worrying like um, thongs or g-strings or any tight underwear, um, washing your hands regularly and just continuing the parasite cleanse pretty much. I really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone friendly recipes guide please leave me a rating and review, and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift all you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. this guide contains delicious gluten dairy grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods don't worry there are no boring salad recipes included come and say hi over on instagram at viva natural health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrolment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.